Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. I read something this week about solid stone houses versus cladding. I never heard the word cladding before. You think about legit stone houses can last decades and centuries no matter what storms come upon them. But it takes too long to build those stone houses these days, so we settle for cladding. Cladding is just that natural or synthetic stones that are placed on the walls of houses, uh, and it looks good, right? It's like, wow, that's a stone house. No, it's not. It's just cladding. It has no structural support, so if a strong storm came, it would just blow on over because it's not load-bearing, but it looks good. And you think about us and our walk with the Lord, some of us look solid. We look good. But it could just be cladding, not load-bearing. So when the storms come our way, we buckle, we cave. Our, our faith falters because it's just cladding. It just looks good. So what we want to kind of ask ourselves is, am I walking such a walk with the Lord that is load-bearing? That when stuff comes my way, I'm not going to buckle and quit and give up. And I think where we're going to go this morning in order to move past the cladding to load-bearing is many of you are not going to like it, what you have to do to get to that point. Because what you have to do to get to that point is you got to open yourself up to the Lord and say, all right, God, investigate, search out whatever you want to investigate and search out in my life. I'm going to give it to you. There's no areas that are going to be off limits. So search me, do your work in me. That's where you start to build this load-bearing house that's not just for show. That's where we're going this morning, Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is probably on your refrigerator, probably on your T-shirts, probably on your walls. After today, go home and take all that stuff down, all right? Because this is some serious stuff we're dealing with today. You can leave it up if you mean it, all right? This psalm is probably written by the great King David. He was a man after God's own heart. People like to ask me, I talk to my kids about David. They're like, well, if he's a man after God's own heart, why did he commit adultery and then murder someone? Yeah, God's mercy is great, right? So if you're in here, you're thinking that you've messed up pretty bad, God's mercy and grace is here for you as well. But David is a man who was undone who confessed that was brought out into the open. And in this psalm, he meditates on the greatness of God, not in some seminary way. It may feed your head, but in a way that's very personal to his heart. And it's an accurate picture of our great God. And to get some fancy terms out there, this psalm explores God's omniscience, his omnipresence, and his omnipotence. 
keep it simple, we're going to talk about God's knowledge, God's presence, and God's power. And to make it personal, we're going to say this, God knows everything about you. He's present with you all the time, and his power is great and even available to you in your life. But the point of this psalm is we're going to come to the end. We're going to say, okay, God, you're great. Now search me and know me. And if you're brave enough today, you can pray that song. God, search me. God, know me. Nothing is off limits. But if you keep putting up this cladding front, there's not going to be any load bearing when the storms come. And David knows about storms for sure. So let's go ahead and jump in and start with God's knowledge or his omniscience. Look at Psalm 139, verse 1 through 6. Oh, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately equated with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, oh, Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. God knows every single detail about you, inside and out. God knows your morning routine. He sees the specifics throughout the day, and he sees everything that you do, and you return home at night, get ready for bed, put your head on your pillow. God knows all your ways. And not only does he know all your actions, but get this, he knows all your motives. He knows what's going on inside your heart, why you're carrying out these actions. He knows your thought life. You cannot see what is going on up here in my head. But God knows. And before I say a word, God knows what I'm going to say. He knows absolutely everything about you. God knows you. In fact, I would say... He knows the worst thing you've ever done. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them the worst thing you've ever done? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. God knows. And what we're going to say is that God knows you fully, and he still loves you fully. What? We're fully known? And yet at the same time, fully loved? How's that possible? If he knows all our stuff, we thought we were hiding that from him. That, that's grace, that's mercy, that's in the cross, right? He fully known and fully loved. And so if that's the case, God, come and examine me. I read something in a, in a book called Jesus Creed, and this is kind of where I'm gonna harp a little bit throughout this quote and throughout this psalm. Let me uh, read this to you. And as I was reading this book, It's by American essayist Joseph Epstein. And he says, we all exist on three levels. Okay, see if you can track with me here. We all exist on three levels. There's the person as he or she appears in public, the public me. The person as he or she is known to intimates, the family me, my family knows me. And then there's the person's deepest all who's known just to me. There's part of me my family doesn't know. There's part of me that you don't know. Now see, here's the deal. Inside of us, we have aspirations. We have resentments, right? We have fantasies and we have desires. And the public doesn't know all about that. And this is how we grow in the Lord, okay? We grow in the Lord when our public persona is brought before him. 
We grow in the Lord when that intimate stuff we just share with our family is brought before him. And we ultimately grow in the Lord when we bring all that hidden stuff to him. So think about it this way. Let's talk about your aspirations. What do you aspire to? To be a great, wonderful grandparent? To have the best retirement? To not waste your life? You want to succeed and not fail? And you want to live out the remaining of your days with meaning and purpose? You have these aspirations. But God also knows your resentments. Why did my wife have to leave? Why do my parents treat me so bad? Why did I get passed over for a raise? Why didn't I save enough? Why did that person have to cut me down like that? How come my spouse won't love me? God knows your resentments. And you know what? God even knows your fantasies. Fantasies to win the lottery or the sweepstakes or you want this dream home or fantasies to be married to a different person, sexual fantasies, food fantasies, fantasies to have the perfect body, pastor a larger church. Okay, that's mine. You know, I'm just kidding. I'm content. Fantasies to make a hole in one. Some of you dreaming about making a hole in one all day long. Fantasies to cash in on the stock market, to lead the company. Some of you have fantasies to actually to hurt someone really bad. Uh, and some of you have fantasies on how you're going to die and what people may think of you after you're dead. And then there's your desires. God knows your desires to be healthy. Maybe you have a desire to get married, to walk with the Lord, to see your kids and grandkids get saved. Maybe you have a desire to lose weight, to read the Bible through uh, the year, to get new clothes, new computer, new car, whatever. Here's the deal. God knows you beyond this public persona. God knows you beyond even what your family knows. God knows everything about you. Now, I know that you, most of you can agree to that theologically, but here's what I want to ask you. The Lord knows you, but do you know that he knows you? I don't mean theologically. If he knows you, do you know that he knows you? So much so that he knows every single thing about you. He knows your your thoughts, your fantasies, your desires, your aspirations, your goals, all that. And if you know that he knows all those things, then you should talk about those things with him. When you say, search me, oh God, but don't search that area. Don't search my fantasies because that's my daydreaming time. That's how I escape. Don't search that stuff. No, no. If you want to grow, you got to know that the Lord knows you and he wants you to bring all of that before him with confession, share your disappointments, and bring it all because he already knows all. And he's the one you can tell it to because you can be fully known by him and fully loved. Well, let's continue on with his presence. Omnipresence. Verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed and shield, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lay me. And your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. 
Now, you kind of wonder, why is he saying this? Well, I don't think he's trying to run away from God. No, no. He's like saying, God, you're everywhere. If I went up to the highest heaven, you're there. If I went as far as I could go in the deepest part of the earth or the sea, you're there. If I went as far as I could go east or the west, God's there. And God is there not just in the fact where he is an inactive, neutral party. You're like, yeah, God's everywhere with me. Okay, no big deal. No, he's not neutral and he's not inactive, but he's there in a caring way. Verse 10, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will take hold of me. And it's interesting to know that he's even there in our despair. Verse 11, surely the darkness will overwhelm me or cover me. You ever said that? Life is so bleak, it is so dark, it is so depressing, surely this darkness is going to cover me up or it's going to crush me. You ever felt that way before? You're like, this is it, I'm, I'm gone. This thing that just happened to me is going to crush me. This darkness is too much, whether it's depression, circumstances, I'm done, it's gonna crush me. And the psalmist is like, no, 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 no. He's with me because it says in verse 12, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. In your darkness, when you feel like it's all done with, the Lord is with you. He cares for you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You will not be crushed. And you know, it's because of this truth right here that I don't have to put up cladding for you. And you don't have to put up cladding for me. One of the ways that we grow in the Lord is to be vulnerable around one another to talk about the struggles we're having. Because sometimes we don't want to admit that stuff, but it's in the midst of that, you go, you know what? I'm in a dark place right now. Will you pray for me? And the darkness is not dark to God, and he will be there with us. No fronts. Don't need to put it up. He's there for us. Well, lastly, he talks about God's power. Look at God's omnipotence. For you formed my, verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I'll give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. Did you realize that God's guiding and caring for you goes all the way back before you were born? while you still were in your mother's womb. While you're in your mother's womb, God is knitting and putting you together because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's verses like this where we can say, all life has value from womb to tomb. And you know what? There's a lot being talked about in the news these days about abortion. There's a lot being on social media. There's a lot politicking going on. But you know what? If you just kind of throw all that stuff aside and you open up the word, you will see that life has value. Unborn babies have value. 
Regardless of whatever else is being said out there and whatever is being done, there is value from womb to tomb, right? God cares. And so we can be a people that can say, hey, this is the word. We're going to stand on it no matter whatever else people are saying. Because the reality is you exist today because God knits you, puts you together, and here you are. And not only that, he's determined the number of days you're going to live. You will not die until your time. And by the fact that you're still here and functioning, it's not your time. God still has a plan for you. But don't just think, okay, God kind of won't, he he winded me up and he goes, okay, I'm going to give you 74 years ago. No, no, he's still with you. And he still has a plan for you. And he has purpose for you in this life. So it's not like here, here is 74 years, go be directionless and aimless and focus on yourself. No, 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 no. It's supposed to be a life lived for the glory of God. Because as we live for him, we bring him praise and we enjoy him. So it's not an aimless life, but a purposeful life. So what does the psalmist think about God's knowledge, his power, his presence? What does he think about all that? Well, look what he says in verse 17 and 18. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. He's like, I'm just blown away. I cannot believe my God his power, his presence, his knowledge. The psalmist is blown away. But now he prays for two specific things. And the first thing he prays for in this psalm will not make the refrigerator magnet. Verse 19. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. For they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not love those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. So the psalmist is clearly crying out to God to take care of the enemies. In fact, he is separating himself from the enemies of God. Now, on this earth, it doesn't mean that we pull away from unbelievers because, as Paul said, we'd have to leave this earth altogether. We're still around people. We want to share the gospel. We want to love them and have mercy, treat them as they're created in the image of God. But though we are in the world, we're not going to be of it. And we want to ask the Lord to help us to have this healthy separation from the ways of the world. Because what happens on Sunday morning, you get pumped. You're like, yay, Jesus. And by noontime, you're back in the world. That's why you can be very careful that there is this separation between us and the worldliness, the wickedness, where we still engage it with the gospel, but we're separate and not being influenced by it. And now notice the second thing that he prays, which is the last thing, which I, I challenge you is the most difficult part of the whole psalm. He says, search me, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me or or put me to the test. Try me, test me, know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. You think, well, you know what? You know, if if I separate from the wicked, if if I separate myself from the worldliness, that should be enough. That should be enough for me to live a life of holiness. Well, the problem is, is that wherever you go, you take yourself with you. 
And so if you're separate from the wicked, that's not mean you're going to live a holy life. There's got to be asking God, say, God, go ahead and penetrate. Know me, my heart, my mind, my thoughts, anxieties, whatever's going on. Go ahead and test those things, Lord, so I can be walking in the everlasting way. So, Lord, I invite you in. I invite you in. Go ahead and check out my aspirations. Check out these fantasies. Check out my desires. Go ahead, Lord. You've got full access. Because my brothers and sisters, this is how you're going to grow in the Lord, by praying this prayer and actually meaning it. Lord, you know all, search me. Search me, God, and know my heart. Know what's going on in my thoughts. Search me so I can draw closer to you, so you can weed out all the wickedness, so that we can be people of the cross. Because what if God searches you and reveals stuff to you? He wants to forgive you. Did you know that Jesus has joy in forgiving your sins? The joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning and shame. He had joy in the Father's presence forever and ever to forgive your sins. That's why he went to the cross. So sins that you may be ashamed of and you say, okay, Jesus, I'm bringing this to you. I'm I'm so embarrassed. I know you're going to scoff at me and you're going to berate me. And Jesus is like, I'm going to forgive you because I have joy in forgiving your sins. There is joy in repentant sinners who go to the cross of Jesus Christ to find forgiveness. Now, I want you to kind of pull back and you say, okay, God, go ahead and search me. And I don't know if some of you want to do this or can do it because the reality is if you ever function in life, you'll run across those people. Of course, it's not you. Some people have a very low EQ. You know what EQ is? It's the concept of emotional intelligence. Somebody, some people have really low emotional intelligence. And by that, they mean that they can't figure out or they don't seem how they come across to others. Those with low emotional intelligence, we could say they can't read a room. It's like there's a conversation of three people and one of them is just talking, talking, talking all about themselves. And when that person walks away, the two left go, What's up with this guy? It's often that very low emotional intelligence that you don't know how you come across. You can't read a room. You think that, hey, it's all about you when it's not. Well, I think the same thing can happen where you can have a very low spiritual EQ, where you don't know how you're coming across to others, and you don't know how you're coming across to God. And one of the ways that we can penetrate that low spiritual EQ is by asking God to search us. Because what many of us will do, and I'm so guilty of this, is we'll come to the Lord in the morning and we'll be doing our quiet time and we'll put the Bible aside and we'll say, Lord, I just want to talk to you about this. And God's like, no, no, I want to talk to you about this. We say, no, no, Lord, Lord, I really want your blessing today. Please take away the anxiety today. And you're like, yeah, well, let's talk about this hidden sin over here. Because we talk about we want to grow, right? I don't think any believer in here does not want to grow. No one in here wants to live a life of a front, a fake front, cladding. No, that's why we got to say, okay, Lord, search me. I know I'm coming to talk to you today about my anxieties, but I have a feeling you want to talk about this as well. So, Lord, I'm going to ask you to search my heart and to know me where I can bring everything before you in confession and receive forgiveness and walk in that everlasting way. Because we're not perfect. So this is a daily prayer. So what's so wonderful about today is we're about to take communion. And before we take communion, we often pray. And sometimes we confess sin. 
Well, this morning before we take communion, we're going to do this kind of this prayer run-up where we're actually going to ask God to search us. And if you're brave enough to do that, pray that. Okay, God, go ahead and search me. And I want you to pray a prayer that you're going to ask God to search your aspirations. Are they purified and holy? How about you pray a prayer you ask God to search your fantasies, your daydreaming. Is it purified and holy? How about asking God to search your desires? Is it purified and holy? So as we do this run up to communion in this prayer and we're asking God, hey, we're going to be undone to the one who fully knows us and fully loves us through Jesus, that I think we can be bold enough to come before him this morning and pray it. So I'm going to lead you through this time of prayer leading up to communion. So let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. And Lord, right now we want to start and we want to ask you, search me, O God, and know my heart. You can go and just pray that to the Lord. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Pray to the Lord, put me to the test. Know my anxious thought. Go ahead and pray that. Put me to the test, Lord. And go ahead and pray this. It says, see if there's any hurtful way in me. Lord, see if there's any hurtful way in me where I'm hurting other people. Lord, is there a hurtful way in me? And now, right now, lay out your aspirations before the Lord. Whether your aspirations are biblical, maybe some of you have some aspirations that are not coming to fruition. You feel like the Lord is not working fast enough. Right now, just lay your aspirations for the Lord. Now ask the Lord to test your heart on your resentments. Maybe you have such bitterness and hatred towards someone that you cannot believe something happened that they acted like that. They've never repented. They've never confessed. They've never asked for forgiveness. Lay your resentments before the Lord. Something you're really dealing with in your heart. It's just not moving very fast to forgive or to offer grace. Lay those resentments before the Lord. And now hardest of all, ask the Lord to search fantasies, the daydreams, where your mind goes when things are not going right what you want to have happen that is so fantastical. It's in fantasy land. Lay those before the Lord, those daydreams that he knows about and ask for forgiveness if necessary. Finally, lay your future desires for the Lord, whether you desire whatever that is, someone to get saved, your marriage to be healed, addictions to be released on just whatever desires you have tell them to the lord ask him to purify your desires to examine your heart and motives to test them for wickedness ask him to purify you and lead you in this everlasting way we hope you enjoyed this message it was preached recently at village bible church you can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.